0: Dear everyone, hope and pray that your day has been good and that our time here uh, can continue to be profitable uh, together. Appreciate those good songs. You know, have thine own way, take time to be holy, yield not to temptation. It's hard to find better songs to fit and to prepare our hearts uh, for receiving God's Word. These songs, along with Aaron's good prayer, uh, really helps us as we have worshiped together already. Uh, It helps us to continue this part of God's worship. Matthew chapter 22 and 39 is very familiar to you. We want to pull out a small but important command of the Lord. He says, To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said to love your neighbor. But then he said love your neighbor as yourself. That's the part we want to focus on this evening. Loving others as yourself. Or to bring it down closer, loving yourself. Loving yourself. Having that love for yourself is key to loving others. And also loving God with all. Our heart. So we want to focus on this idea of loving yourself. When we fail to obey this command, it, it comes out in different ways. Uh, people will begin to immerse themselves in different things. They will um, immerse themselves perhaps in physical things, surround themselves with physical things, because they look to this for, uh, for meaning and for purpose. You know, Ecclesiastes 5.13 says, the writer says, I have noticed a grievous thing under the sun, and that is that um, riches are kept by, the, by their owner uh, to their own hurt. To their own hurt. That's a grievous thing when the riches of the owner is kept uh, in such a way that it begins to hurt him. Some folks immerse themselves in just things, and that's an indication they are not loving. Uh, themselves. Also, sometimes we immerse ourselves in uh, such perverse things as drugs or, or alcohol or pills, uh, thinking that this will help us to feel better about ourselves. But, um, you know, drugs uh, promise much but deliver um, basically nothing, basically nothing. Sometimes uh, people will immerse um, themselves in uh, very uh, bad behavior, uh, sexual affairs maybe. Oftentimes because their love for God and others and themselves uh, are not proper, they will look for uh, love in other places. You know, a warm hug and, a, uh, and an understanding heart has led many astray from God's way when it comes to uh, purity. So sometimes pe- people will immerse themselves in those types of uh, deviant behavior. Sometimes we immerse ourselves in despair, in despair. We will look out on the world and say, well, everybody is just about the same. Everybody's evil. Everybody is a criminal. And we just create this, this uh, sense of despair. Okay. That also comes from a failure of loving. Ourselves as God would have us to love. Sometimes we, it comes out uh, in just a critical attitude. Just you know, Philippians two fourteen says, "Do all things without complaining." Sometimes we do just part of that verse. We do all things with complaining, and uh, this is also an end result of not loving as God would have us to love. And it starts with loving ourselves having a proper view of ourselves. The critical attitude comes because if you don't think enough of yourself, then you begin to try to find that meaning by putting others down. A lot of people get in that habit and uh, that's unfortunate. And it it stems from a failure to love ourselves as God loves us. So how can we How can we, as we have just a few minutes together this evening, how can we learn, or better learn, uh, to love ourselves that will help us to love others as God would have us to love? In the first place, it begins with um, focusing on how God views us. It begins on focusing on how God views us. God has the best view of us. Okay, Because he looks upon the heart. In First Samuel 16 in verse seven through nine, you remember Samuel is sent to Jesse's house, and God, through Samuel, tells Jesse that he's looking for someone after his own heart. God looks on the appearance, but man looks uh, I rather I should say, man looks upon the appearance. But God is able and only God can look upon the heart. And so we must keep a focus on how God views us. He has the very best view. 1 Kings chapter 8 records a long prayer of Solomon uh, as he dedicates uh, the old temple. 1 Kings eight thirty nine, Solomon mentions in his prayer that only God knows the hearts of the children of man. Only you, God, he looks to God and said, says in his prayer, Only you, Lord, only you can know the hearts of the children of men. We remember reading from John 2, 24 and 25 that Jesus had no need for others to come and, and testify and tell him about mankind because Jesus knows what is inside mankind. So God has the very best view of us. Okay? And we need to keep a focus on his view. His view of us. Okay? It's much better than our view of ourselves because we rarely get it right. Okay? We either will have a diminished view of ourselves. You remember in 1 uh, Corinthians 12, as Paul, there in the part of that chapter, where Paul <coughs> compares the church body uh, to the body members, the physical body. And he said, uh, the the foot cannot say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Or the ear should not say, because I'm not the eye, therefore I'm not of the body. This indicates to us sometimes we have a diminished view of ourselves. And then oftentimes we have an inflated view of ourselves. Romans 12 and verse 3 uh, warns us not to think more highly of ourselves than what we ought to think. And then later in Romans uh, 12, what is it, 15 and 16, uh, Paul says, uh, be careful not to be high-minded. That's just an inflated view of ourselves. We have a real problem with appraising ourselves. Now, so God's view will always be better of us than we view ourselves. And certainly other people's view of ourselves doesn't work either. Case in point, just look at Jesus. We won't go far with this. But look how they treated Jesus. The most perfect man, the, the most perfect person, the, the most selfless person, the one who did no sin. He, did, he didn't sin with his actions or his words or no guile in his mouth, 1 Peter two twenty one and 22. What did, what did they do to him? They mocked him. They crucified him. They tortured him. Okay. Others do not get it right either. So God's view is always best. Jeremiah ten twenty three. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. I am terrible at appraising the value of things. I've will always get it wrong. Say, I just don't have that within me. Many of you do. But only God has the ability to make the proper appraisal of who we are and who we can uh, be. So first, we've got to focus on how God views uh, each of us, how God views us uh, personally. In order for us to love ourselves, in order to love others we also got to focus on how God made us. We know, and we've talked often about it, that God made us in his own image. And this means so much uh, to us. It ought to mean a lot to us. First, it means that we are full of spiritual qualities. Spiritual qualities. God is spirit, John 4, 24. You remember that passage? God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship in spirit. And God is spirit. We are made in his image. That means we are full of spiritual qualities. And get this, we're not just full of spiritual qualities. We are full of qualities of his nature that he put in us. We must keep that in mind. We are full of spiritual qualities. Also, Also, that means we are capable. God made us capable as he made us in his image. We are capable of learning his will. We are capable of having great thoughts from his will. We are capable of having a great impact in the world. We are gr- capable of having great change, making great personal change. We are capable of great determination uh, as we do his will. You see, Jesus once said in Matthew nineteen twenty-six: With man this is impossible, but not with God. With God all things are possible. We remember Paul saying in Philippians 4 and 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God made us capable, made us full of spiritual qualities. He made us capable and he he designed us, and get this, he designed us to have fellowship with him. Fellowship with him. We love to read about People in the Bible, and it often says they walk with God. Like in Genesis 5, it says Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It says in Genesis 6, uh, verses 9 and 10, that, that Noah was a righteous man. And that Noah walked with God. We know that Abraham walked with God. It's possible for any person on earth to walk with God. We have been designed to do that. Designed to have fellowship, even intimacy uh, with the Lord. And it also means that we are linked to God. We have a link to God. We are connected to God. Someone described it like this. We we are linked to that which is above and we are separated from that which is b- below. In other words, being made in the image of God gives us that possibility of being connected to the Heavenly Father and being separated from the world. It doesn't always work, but it's not God's fault. It's our failure. It becomes a struggle for us. It shouldn't be, but it does. You might think of an arrow that has uh, two points on it. One one arrow's pointing up and the other's pointing down, and that's us. There's a struggle. struggle. That's why why Paul said in in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, seek those things that that are above. If you are... If you've been risen with Christ, if you you have named the name of the Lord, if you've been immersed in water for the remission of sins, if you have come to Christ, you must seek those things which are are above. We have that link. We have that connection. And so to love ourselves in such a way that it creates a pathway to love others as God has loved us then we must view ourselves as God views us and we must focus on how God has made us. Now, the third thing we must do, we must recognize the lies. We must recognize the lies that the devil tells us. We must recognize the lies. There are many of them. We'll just mention a few. One lie is that money equals success. Or success equals money, whichever way you want to say it. Now, God doesn't take away from us the blessing of working hard and having quality of life. That's not what God has taken away from us. But, what we are saying is that if we are looking for a sense of eternity, if we are looking for a sense of well-being... If we're looking for meaning in life, we're not going to find it in things or money. Like Jesus says, Luke 12, verse 15, a man's life consists not in the things which he possesses. It's just not there. It's just not there. When Jesus was teaching on on anxiety and worry, Matthew 6 and 25, he says, is not your life more than food? And, And by implication, he's saying all these physical things. The physical things that we worry about. Is not your life more than the things that you see? Is not your life more than the things you put in your mouth? Is not your life more than the things that you, you put on your body? Is not life not more than the things that, you, that most people, that most worldly people worry about? Is life not more than that? It is. It is. Ecclesiastes 12, if anybody tried out the world, it was Solomon. It was him. He tried money. He tried riches. He tried power. He tried women. He tried wine. He tried work, but he came to the conclusion that you must fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole of man. This is this is what man is about. And so, there—that's one lie that that money equals success. Another lie is that sin equals freedom, and we know it's the very opposite. Jesus tells us that in John eight thirty four. It's the very opposite. Whoever continues in sin becomes a bondservant of, of sin. But the, the devil turns it around and says, if you can just get yourself away from church, you can just get yourself away from scripture, you can just get yourself away from those people, then you're going to have more freedom. You're going to be able to do what you want to do. But of course, this, uh, this doesn't work. Many people that we read about in the Bible, it just didn't work. David. You know, uh, maybe, you know how we humans think, David might have said, well, you know, as he thought about Bathsheba, maybe he said, you know, I, I need a little break. I owe this to myself. I deserve something on the side because, after all, I am king. I do work hard. I put, my, I put myself out there many times for the nation And so there he goes. But then later in Psalm 32, if you look at Psalm 32 and verses 3 through 5, David talks about this. He says, My sin is weighing me down. My body is wasting away. He's not talking about some physical sickness he had. He's talking about what sin was doing to him. And Paul had the same kinds of regrets after he had learned that he had been in opposition to the Lord. He, he talked in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, for example. He said, he said, I persecuted the church. It's not proper even to call me an apostle because I persecuted the church of our Lord. You see that? It, it never really leaves us, does it? When we sin, it's hard, it's hard to forget those times when we just outrightly disobey the Lord. So the lie of the devil is that sin equals freedom, and it really doesn't. No way does it do that. Another lie of, of the devil is that physical features equal beauty. That's not true. Physical features equal beauty. Now the world, the world exposes this. The world brings it to the forefront. The, the world illustrates this. The world advertises it in, in this manner. Everything you see, especially that which is put in front of you, tends to elevate the idea that, that physical beauty is real beauty. But it's just not, it's not the case. You remember reading from Proverbs 31.30 about the virtuous woman? And the virtuous woman, it, it says this. It says, It uh, says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, notice how that the inspired writer sets that contrast. Here's what the world, the world thinks it's cool that you can put on the charm. The world thinks it's so intelligent that you can present yourself as beautiful. Truth is, those who fear the Lord are the ones accepted by God. And Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, don't let your adorning be on the outward person, uh, such as plaiting your hair and putting on clothes and uh, wearing of jewelry. Don't let it be that, but rather let your adorning be upon the inward person, the inward beauty. Of a meek and quiet spirit. Which in the sight of God. If, if that means something to us. Which in the sight of God is of great price. Of great price. We just can't. We can't emphasize that enough. Which in the sight of God is of great price. So it's not true. It's just not true that physical features equals beauty. God looks upon the heart we remember. If. If a young person wants to be attractive to the right kind of person, they will develop the qualities of compassion and of biblical, spiritual maturity and of a tremendous connection with the purpose of God and in adding in there the joy of living for the Lord. Those are the qualities that the Lord would have us to have and If a person is not attracted to that, then that's good news because that's the kind of person you don't want to attract. And then the devil lies by saying, well, worldly education equals intelligence. That's not true. That's not true. What the the Lord would say to us is be careful about worldly education. And the reason that we... We consider this. The reason we even say this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. You remember this in verse 18. Beginning in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1. He says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Notice the contrast there. Those who are perishing, this what we're doing tonight, this this right here is foolishness. We keep reading First Corinthians one nineteen, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Verse 20 Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the, the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom notice that the world, in its wisdom, cannot come come to know God. It's impossible. Okay. For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the foolishness of what is preached to save those who are who do believe, who are believers. Now, Paul sets up a tremendous challenge over in Philippians two fifteen when he says, "We ought to be." without blemish, and uh, we, ought to be, uh, we ought to be blameless in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. We ought to be children of God, without blemish, blameless, okay? innocent, in the midst of what we live among. And then he says in Philippians 2.16, we ought to be holding forth the word of life, the Bible, the, the Scripture. So just we've got to be careful because the devil wants us to, to believe that worldly education equals intelligence and that's not always the case. Often it runs contrary uh, to the wisdom of God. And then another lie of the devil is that bad circumstances equals bad person. There are some tough circumstances that people are endearing There are tough situations that children have been brought up in. There may be um, occasions of abuse. Uh, There may be uh, alcohol involved in a home or a friendship. Uh, There may be all kinds of deviant behavior uh, brought out in the lives of one parent or both parents that makes some bad situations, but we need to make sure we understand that that does not equal a bad person. Just because a child or an innocent wife or husband or any association with a bad circumstance, that doesn't mean that association is a means that you are a bad person. It doesn't mean that. We cannot control the behavior of other people, and we're not responsible for the bad behavior of other people. We notice Ezekiel 18 verse 20, the soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the son. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. And the father shall not bear the iniquity of the son. We are responsible for our own behavior. So the devil has a lot of lies. We must recognize those lies if we're going to love ourselves. In such a way to be able to love God and others. Love others as God would have us to love them. Love others as God loves us. Then we've got to see things as God sees them. We've got to focus on how God has made us. And we've got to recognize the devil's lies. But then one more thing tonight. To obey this command, we must focus on the unspeakable gift. The unspeakable. I appreciate the way Larry brought this out during communion this morning. The unspeakable gift. That refers to the gift of Jesus. I believe the statement is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. I believe that's it. Jesus is expressed there as the unspeakable gift. It's hard to put inexpressible gift. It's hard to express all the love and meaning behind the gift of Jesus. But we've got to focus on that. If we really want to know how valuable we are to God, then we've got to keep going back to that gift, that gift that was given for us. Yeah. Now we are are people who are, we have fallen, we fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We are religiously, um, we are religiously flawed. We're sinners. We're sinners. But God loved us to the point of sending his Son. And through His Son, we have a way of escape. That's, that's the phrase that's used in Hebrews 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. We have a, Through Jesus, we have a way of escape. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, Though He were a Son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered and being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation to all those uh, to, who obey Him. This unspeakable gift is ours and all we have to do is submit our lives Uh, To him. What wondrous love uh, that is. We recall John's words in 1 John 3 and verse 1: Behold, brethren, behold what manner of love. I wish we could express it the way it's written there. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Well, how does that happen? It doesn't happen without the love of God and the sending of Jesus in that that sacrificial gift uh, in our behalf. 1 John 4, verse 10. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and gave Himself to be the propitiation, the covering uh, for our sins. We can't put words to that kind of love. Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who are under the law, and that we might receive the adoption of sons. How can it be? How can it be that we could be called the children of God only out of God's incredible love and that unspeakable, unspeakable gift? Paul expresses it in Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1, that, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God who being rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he has loved us, he has uh, created a way to make us alive in Christ. It's just remarkable to think all that God has done. The gift, the the links to which he went to give us that way of escape, we must never lose focus of that. We cannot... If you were to go out into extreme cold, we don't really have cold here. I know it's cold, and I'm cold. I stay cold. My hands stay cold. My feet stay cold. But really, we don't have the cold that they have in Minnesota. Northern Michigan, that's that's cold. Suppose you went out and you didn't have a coat on in northern Michigan, and the high that day was minus five. And the wind's blowing, and the snow is coming. You think that would have an impact on you? It would. Well, what if, on the other hand, you were out in Arizona and it was 110 degrees, and you go out there and you stay three hours in, in the blazing sun, 100 degrees you think 110 degrees? You think you'd be impacted by that heat, that sun? You would. What about us, spiritually? What if we keep exposing ourselves to how God views us, to how God has made us? If we keep exposing ourselves to all the lies of the devil and see them for what they are. And if we keep exposing ourselves To the tremendous unspeakable gift that comes down to us through the love of God. What if he just keep it? Wouldn't that have an impact? Shouldn't that have an impact? Surely it will have an impact upon us. We're not done with this unspeakable gift. Because as Larry mentioned this morning during communion. For Jesus to become that unspeakable gift. He had to take on a submissive role. A submissive role. He had, and he did, do some surrendering himself. Now, Jesus didn't stop being God. But there was definitely a change of role. Philippians 2, verse 6, mentions Christ. And he was in a position where um, he uh, did not think it robbery, uh, to be considered equal with God but he emptied himself made himself of no reputation took the form took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness or in fashion as a man being found then in fashion as a man he humbled himself became obedient unto death even the death of the cross that there Expresses to us how that Jesus left a position he had as the eternal Word. And he doesn't leave being God, but he takes on a very submissive role to the Father. In fact, John 14, 28, Jesus says, The Father is greater than me. There's that submissive role. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. The head of every man is Christ, but the head of Christ is God. So for Jesus to offer Himself on that cross, He took upon Him the form of a servant. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men, John 1, verse 14. Hmm. Now, question. This surrendering role that Jesus took on in order to come here, come place himself on the cross, was that a temporary situation or is it eternal? Well, when the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul and he's preaching, We read about it in Acts 9, verse 20. He preached in those synagogues Jesus as the Son of God. At that time, Jesus is back in heaven. He's on the right hand of God, but he still considered the Son of God, no longer the Word. In the beginning was the Word, John 1, verse 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. No longer the Word, but now, still, even after his exaltation to the right hand of God, He is still the Son of God. First Timothy 2, 5 and 6, there's, there's uh, one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, does Paul say this? The man Christ Jesus who gave Himself for our sins as a ransom for all. Jesus is now in heaven, but He's still considered He still retains his identity with the ones that he loved. Man. Man. And this one, Hebrews 2 verse 11, one of my favorite all-time verses from Hebrews. The one who sanctifies, which is Christ. Sanctified just means, you know, he's able to bring forgiveness to us and he sets us apart for his purpose. The one who sanctifies. And those are who, who are sanctified, that's us. So, the one who sanctifies and the one that ends up getting sanctified, that's us, are all of one nature. They're all one. Jesus is one with us. To the point that he's not ashamed to call us his brothers, his sisters. Doesn't it cause us to crawl a little deeper into the love of God when we think about how Jesus changed positions? became the Son of God and as far as we can tell He's not ever going to let go of this surrendering role that He took on. Even when it comes down to Judgment Day as we were focusing on Judgment Day this morning. When it comes down to Judgment Day as I read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read beginning in verse 24. Then comes the end. This is the second coming. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-four. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign, Jesus, until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things to subjection under him. him. In other words, the Father is the exception and when all things are subjected to him then the son himself will also be subjected subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all it sounds like Jesus is going to retain that subjection that submission forever you ever thought about eternal love that's it And for God to do all that for you, every bit of that, the Lord did for you. How can we just walk away from Him? How can we not try to be all we can for Him? How can can we not love God with all our heart? How can we not love our neighbor as ourselves? The Lord's invitation is open to all of us. We'll have another great song here and it will encourage us to be all we can be before the Lord. As always, the Lord's invitation is open to anyone who's ready to put Jesus on in baptism as part of the gospel plan of salvation. It may be that you just want to come back home. You might just want to say, I just have not appreciated all that God has done for me. I'll tell you what, I hadn't either. I hadn't either. But we can grow We can turn away from evil and we can grow in Him. The invitation is open. Please come right now as we stand, as we stand.